I think the one thing that I wish like I would have realized when I was younger as an SLP is I would sit in meetings and people would be like, oh, he loves speech. He's asking for Miss Maggie at home. And I used to like give myself a pat on the back, like, oh, this is great. But as I've gotten older, I've realized like I'm not doing my job well enough. Like if that kid can only be engaged and connecting with me, then I have to train other people because I'm only with the kid for a short amount of time. So it's great to be like the fun one. I've had people say like, oh, I wish we could all, you know, be the fun one, but you can be. So like really empowering other people in the child's life, parents and, you know, teachers or respite workers or whatever to really find that connection and really build that communication because that's what's going to make kids most successful. Hey there, and welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. My name is Benita Litvak, and I am so grateful you're here. I'm an ASHA-certified speech-language pathologist, author, and augmentative and alternative communication consultant who is obsessed with helping SLPs like you stop reinventing the wheel and connect with other SLPs in the trenches. Have you ever wondered how other SLPs seem to be doing it all with ease? Well, around here, you'll get to hear firsthand how SLPs are really getting things done while keeping evidence-based practice and self-care in mind. Think of this as a coffee date with your SLP friends. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while we learn together. Today, I'm joined by Maggie McGarvey, M-A-C-C-C-S-L-P an ASHA certified and New York state licensed speech language pathologist and owner of Compass Pediatric Therapy. Maggie is passionate about helping families connect with their children since she works full-time in the school system and has seen the gaps between home and school life over her 14 year career. She is dedicated to helping reduce stress and increasing harmony in the home environment and aims to guide and improving communication and establishing routines at home. She believes that parents need to be trained and empowered to help not only their children thrive, but also their families. Maggie is a single mom to two amazing children and an avid lover of sports and all things friends and Harry Potter. Hi, Maggie. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So is there anything else you want to add to that bio or should we go ahead and dive into our topic about making everyone an SLP clone? Um, I don't really like to talk about myself, so let's dive right in. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So what do you mean about making everyone a clone? So I have worked in many different settings. EI, um, I've worked in three different states. I've worked everywhere basically but hospitals. And as you know, no matter where you work, you have productivity requirements. So if I have to get 10 billable sessions in a day, then my time is really limited. So I've left sessions where people are like, oh, I wish I could do what you do. So I'm like, but you can. So let me show you how, because a TA or a teacher is with that student for six hours versus my 30 minute session, three, four, even five times a week doesn't come close. And then if I can train a parent to kind of be a mini SLP, um, they haven't gone to school for as long as I have, or I'm kind of a course junkie. So I take all the courses and if I can teach them what I know and how to best support the child, that's going to be way more beneficial than me popping in for 30 minutes and being like, I know. Totally. No, it's a great point. It makes sense. 
So how do you work with teaching assistants, special area teachers, et cetera, to understand complex communication needs? Um, so I work in a school where we have um, multiple range of cognitive impairments or physical impairments, emotional impairments, and the really the driving factor of my school is the behavior. It's impacting their learning to a point where they need a specialized program. So I always like to start the year with either new TAs, even old TAs, because we all need some refreshers. And I either start giving a presentation in Spanish which my Spanish is not very good. So I apologize to all the people that do speak Spanish, um, but then use different tones with them, like use more of an angry tone or kind of an aloof tone and show that even though they don't know what I'm saying, they could pick up on what I wanted. And that usually hits home for TAs of like, I need to watch how I'm saying what I'm saying. Um, a lot of times I think they because the children have impairments with communication, they think they can't understand those things when kids pick up on so much more than we realize, whether they can communicate it back to us or not. So that really impacts the relationship. Um, I also give the example of if you've ever gone to a nail salon where the nail technicians speak a different language, because I've left or had friends that I'm like, I think they were talking about how gross my feet are or something. <laughs> and that's usually one that people are like, oh, that makes sense. So if I can show them where there is a gap in the understanding and the language and bring it into their life, they're more likely to be more aware of the language that they're using in the classroom. And then when I'm giving the presentation in Spanish, I'll put up visuals or I'll like raise my hand at one point and be like, levantar los manos and show them how, even though you might not have known what I was saying, the fact that I showed you and gave you that visual made them realize, oh, maybe something about a hand, a mano, I think means hand in Spanish. So I think it's just important to have them kind of feel what it might be like in our students' shoes of there's so much language all the time in a classroom or at home. Um, they have lots of sensory things going on. So if we can kind of pull back and give them more supports, then that really kind of helps the TAs and the special educators realize the importance of, hey, maybe I should bring that visual or maybe when I'm talking to this kid, he's not just ignoring me, he just doesn't understand what I'm saying. I think that answers yeah. your question. <laughs> no, those are good examples. I like how you lead with like real life examples and you have them put themselves in their student's shoes it's probably pretty powerful to kind of hit home the message that you're trying to convey so I think that those are really good examples that people who are listening can adopt as wow, well <laughs> so how do you get your students to generalize skills outside, outside of your therapy session? This is another hard one. Um, in the beginning of my career, I did all pull-out sessions. So they would come to the speech room and definitely, you know, if it's a speech sound disorder, if it is a fluency client, like that's something that needs a small, quiet environment. Um, but a lot of times I found if they can be really successful in my room, it doesn't help when they go back to their room and it's loud. So I try to kind of build in those push-in sessions as I'm working with kids to try to really make it real life. I mean, we all know that they can come to the speech room and do great and we have all the fun games and toys, but then they leave. So I try to build that in where um, if I do have to do pull-out sessions, I try to do like maybe three pull-out sessions and then one push-in. 
it is kind of hard um, with the population I'm working with now. A lot of times they can't transition. So I kind of have to do my sessions in the classroom. And then it's just literally generalization all the time because I will be like, okay, we're going to do speech. And if they can't handle whatever, what's going on, what I had planned, I'm like, all right, well, then it's math time. Let's go do math over here with the group and kind of give them a choice. And then I can build in language in pretty much any environment. Um, but I really try to have the TAs, especially, usually everybody's short staffed, so I can't always bring the TAs to speech. So I might say, hey, did you see what me and this kid were doing today with the water? We were really, she was really loving it. We were playing. Um, I was able to use these verbs and she loves these fish. You can name the colors. So that way when I leave, it's not such a dramatic transition. It's just, oh, Miss Maggie's leaving, but now you're going to play with Mr. Matt and he's going to keep the same activity to kind of keep it going um, because transitions are really hard for a lot of my kiddos and most kiddos up there. Yeah, most kids, that's for sure. I actually just experienced that this morning with my toddler who had to go yeah. to school and didn't want to stop playing. So I get that. Those are great suggestions. And uh, I love that like now you're doing more in the classroom therapy so that the teacher and the assistants can watch what you're doing and then transfer that. So you give them like a summary of what you did after every session assuming they're like available to hear it. Yes. And they're available. Okay. <laughs> and then we also do team meetings. So I'll try to be like, Hey, I noticed Jay is really into this TV show today and he's quoting Blippi. And so, um, here's the clip and I'll like, uh, we have like text chains. So I'll text him like the clip that he's scripting from be like, Hey, if you can bring this into when you're working with them, even though it might be math time, He's loving Blippi and Blippi's playing in his head on repeat. So let's use that to our advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So what is your go-to strategy when you're working with your students? Um, always play. It would have to be play um, and joining them. A lot of the times uh, I see so many people come in, you know, we come in with our therapy bag or we have our agenda uh, a lot of times I use visual schedules, but if that student is really into Play-Doh in that moment, is it important for me to, you know, get this worksheet done or can I adapt this Play-Doh that he's already playing with to kind of make that engage, engaging for him and really connect with students and big into joining them. Uh, we've all, I try to give this example too, like if I love to try to do DIY projects, I'm not super great at them, <laughs> but the other day I like ripped out the runner on my stairs. And then if someone would have told me, Hey, in two minutes, you're going to have to go learn how to crochet. I'd be like, what? No, that's, that, that's not on my agenda. I don't want to do those things. So really try to make it meaningful to the kid where if I can incorporate what they love into building language, which as SLPs, we're kind of gifted that language can be anything, you know? So trying to make it something that they want to connect with at that moment, even if it's math, then, Hey, I see Jay's having a hard time getting off the Play-Doh. Can you just, you know, get a number line and try to make different, um, shapes or something and make three stars, four circles, try to build in that. Uh, because a lot of times I think we're so focused as adults on what do I need to accomplish? What does the kid need to learn in this moment? Do they need to learn math at that moment or do they need to have a genuine connection with you and see that you're a safe person? So then maybe in a couple of days we can, you know, do the more structured 
math tasks or speech tasks, whatever it might be. So um, I would just always say lead with play, lead with connecting whatever they want to do. I'm a big fan of Jesse Ginsburg and all her sensory stuff that has like changed how I also do stuff where if a kid is needing movement, we got to incorporate that movement into their lesson. Otherwise, you know, like I said, with the stairs example, I would be sitting there crocheting, not listening. Cause I'm like, crap, there's a nail in my stairs. Like, what am I doing? So just trying to really make it meaningful for the kids. I love that. That's so important. And have you taken Jesse's course too, or just, I haven't taken it. Okay. No, I haven't. Um, I want to, that's on, I have like a bunch of courses that are next <laughs> on my list, but um, but I definitely want to, I follow all her things on social media and stuff like that. So, yeah. And she offers some great, like free options too, but you're like, yeah. you love taking different courses. Yeah. You have, you like, a running list. It. Yeah. Yeah. So. Awesome. Was well, there anything else that you wanted to share today before we wrap up? I think the one thing that I wish, like I would have realized when I was younger, as an SLP is I would sit in meetings and people would be like, oh, he loves speech. He's asking for Miss Maggie at home. And I used to like give myself a pat on the back, like, oh, this is great. But as I've gotten older, I've realized like, I'm not doing my job well enough. Like if that kid can only be engaged and connecting with me, then I have to train other people because I'm only with the kid for a short amount of time. So it's great to be like the fun one. I've had people say like, oh, I wish we could all, you know, be the fun one, but you can be. So like really empowering other people in the child's life, parents and, you know, teachers or respite workers or whatever to really find that connection and really build that communication because that's what's going to make kids most successful. It's not, you know, the 30 minutes they get to play with me. It's really them being able to go into different environments and go into. So it's great to be the fun one, but definitely start training other people and trying to make other people get those genuine connections. Cause that's great for the other people. That's great for you. And mostly it's great for the kid. It's a great suggestion. And it's more than like just a strategy that you're teaching other people. It's like a way of being a way of interacting with yeah, the child. Yeah. And not, yeah. like I said, I work in a school and I know, you know, Hospitals have so much productivity or different placements, but really just, it's all about connecting and having fun and finding, I know I have a lot of behaviors and been hit and bit, and I know it's like so frustrating, but really stepping back and what is that child trying to communicate to you and how can you connect? If I go into a classroom and a kid is always usually having a behavior when he's working with a certain person, that's a huge red flag for me that like, we need to fix their relationship. We don't just need to take, you know, that person off their um, rotation necessarily because it may not be possible, but then like, what can I do to support their relationship um, and try to be helpful because sometimes people just don't, you know, we coming into a classroom, I get like a bird's eye view versus when you're in the thick of it all the time, you can get stuck on some things. Yeah, no, that's a really, really great point. Well, this has been so great, Maggie. If people are interested in learning more and connecting with you, where can they find you? Um, I'm on Instagram at single.slp.mama um, because that's a huge part of my life is being a single mama. Um, but then also at compasspediatrictherapy.org is my website and blog and all the fun stuff. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to follow along on your journey. This has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, have you joined the SSU crew yet? By joining, you get access to the free goods section on our website, plus podcast updates, special event notifications, and therapy inspiration. You can sign up at bit.ly slash join SSU crew, all lowercase, or just find the link in this episode description. Also, don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode so that you can always refer back to it and share it on social media if you really love the topic. Take care and remember to always fill your speechy side cup first before you can pour into others.